0: Hey, you're listening to Drunk, the podcast where we're drunk on cinema and alcohol, brought to you by Cinemunch.com. You're listening to part two of our 2015 year in review. Part one, we we listed our numbers 10 through six favorite films of the year. This is our five through one.
1: Uh, I believe you start with number five, because I started with number six.
0: Oh, all right, yeah. My numero cinco, uh, similar to Mustang about females sort of trapped, is Room. By Lenny Abramson which was such an emotional experience like oh man I sobbed throughout this movie and due credit to everyone involved most specifically the performances of yeah. Jacob Tremblay and Brie Larson as the mother and son who she bore in captivity um
1: another great ensemble
0: yeah Joan Allen, shout out, Love Her. I've never liked Joan Allen and I loved her. Agreed. In this movie. Totally. So yeah, they're they're basically trapped in a shed. She had been kidnapped when she was a younger teen. Um, and then the last <coughs> half of the movie is basically they've managed to escape, which is one of the most thrilling sequences of, of the year. I don't I don't feel like this is a, a spoiler at all, but you should all check it out if you haven't. It's harrowing but it's so rewarding. Like I, I I hate the people that have been what is that smile for? I'm I'm enjoying just your analysis. Great. Um, <laughs> just it, it's not Can I it's not? not a difficult <laughs> sit. Like of course it's a yeah. there are lots of films that are like difficult subject matter that you're like, oh I would never want to watch that. But it's so Richly rewarding as an emotional experience, and just it's cathartic.
1: Yeah, it bothers me in general that there's been a whole narrative behind this movie, especially in regards to like the Oscar race, that Mm -hmm. it's too difficult to film for people to watch. Yeah, like which is bullshit because it's ultimately like really uplifting and hopeful.
0: Totally, it's transcendent, (laughs) really, just through the performances and Brie Larson, and I, mm, yes, please, to all all the things she touches. At a girl, chair, <laughs> good lamp, goodbye room, lamp. Uh, yeah, I. Yeah, and just I get emotional just thinking about this movie. It's really, really well done, and it could be manipulative or schlocky, just given how emotional it is. But it never is. It feels totally realistic and grounded, and that just makes it all the more moving. It's an experience. Yeah. That those, everyone should take. And those eggshells.
2: Egg Snake. The you know. Egg Snake. I've been
1: making an egg snake ever since I saw it. Have oh, you? No, of course Oh my
2: god, I would not be surprised and I would love it. <laughs> <I don't know laughs>
1: what so that's, says about that's my your, number five. Your opinion of me, but okay. Yeah. It
2: is you? Yes. Okay. Five. So my number five is, well, it's obviously one of my favorite movies of the year, but it's. More particularly, my fifth favorite movie of the year. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> Please continue uh, to explain to are us. Are you the on the G or your yet? I am. Uh, my number five is Nasty Baby. Uh-huh. And I love this movie. Um, it's directed by Sebastian Silva. And stars. Who also stars. Who also stars and Kristen Wiig. And Tunde Adebayo. Bimpe, Bimpe. which he's. uh, I don't know if he's. Actually, don't know his role in the band, but he's from TV on the Radio, the band. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, and he was also in Rachel Getting Married. I knew that. One of the best movies, and one of the best parts of the movie was his very small role. But um, anyway, he comes back with a vengeance, (laughs) and his (laughs) character's his character's name is Mo. And Sebastian Silva plays Freddie, and the two of them are a gay couple who live in Fort Green, Brooklyn, um, and they are friends with Kristen Wiig's character, Polly, who is itching to have a child of her own. But she, she doesn't, she's not necessarily interested or doesn't have a partner, so she wants um, one of them to
0: donate the sperm to create this child and her best friend is the Sebastian Silva character so it seems like it should be him but there are kind of complications and
2: yeah there are complications so so Mo um, ends up having to step in but then you I mean none of this is spoilers but it kind of sets the scene for what the movie's ostensibly about and then it kind of takes a 180 degree turn yeah, several times yeah. um, and I think this this film from what I've read got kind of tepid reviews um, and I think a lot of it was because people felt that it couldn't navigate the different genres that it was trying to pack into one motion picture um, but to me it made it all the more realistic and true to life mm-hmm um, I think a big theme of the movie is, is that a lot of times we're trying to make life happen or we're trying to make our lives happen, but really life happens to you more often than not. Mm. Um, and I think the other clear themes to me are artifice and, um, the kind of hats that we try to wear throughout our lives um, to be who we either think we should be or aspire to be or, you know, whether or not we are that person. And that also ties into, oddly enough, gentrification, which is another clear theme, theme yeah. of the movie. Um, it's set in Fort Greene.
1: Mm.
2: It's kind of a neighborhood that's turning over, as they say.
1: Speaking
2: of BAM. Um, yeah, and uh it's powerful. It's all every character has um has their own aspiration and their own artifice. Mm-hmm. Um and to me I just I still can't I I've, I've seen it twice and I don't like watching movies twice, but generally speaking, but I liked it even more the second time and it just it's so thought-provoking about what, about how we navigate our own lives and 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 the roles that we play in them. Um, but there's more than that. There's really there's really not much more I can say because yeah. there is like there are spoilers, so to speak. So definitely, definitely seek this one out.
0: Do yeah, I, love I it. was really impressed. That Sebastian Silva wrote it also? Wrote, directed, and stars yeah, in I think it? So, yeah. yeah, And I can't even decide which he did best, because <laughs> I think the performance... Because he's written and directed several other features. I don't recall if I've seen them, but performance-wise, I think he's fantastic in this movie. He's really great. Yeah, It's he another is. good ensemble. Kristen and Wig, Kristen Wiig is so...
2: All of them are so good. Another great she continue, year.
1: She continually impresses me. She was great She's in Dineroid. And her she, choices. a Teenage Girl. Her yeah. choices are... Yeah, part of what makes her really exciting and
0: super exciting, outta girl, nice choice, so, nasty baby. All
1: right, so it's me now. Starting.
0: Number five. Did you do your number five? No. Yeah, we just did. That was our number five. That was so right. Finish us out. Your number five.
1: Um, my number five is a movie we've hardly talked about at all. It's Carol. Ah. Um, I, which is a movie that sort of crept up on me more and more. Because I continued to think about it and linger about it long after we had seen it, Um, and also I think it's one that went higher in my esteem when I kept reading criticisms of it. Yeah. (laughs) Only because it keeps getting this like, oh, it's so cold, and I don't understand the coldness because the the -hmm. level of reserve because there is certainly reserve in the movie, but it's all predicated on the time period in which it is set, Mm -hmm. and the difference between the public and personal lives that women were forced to have in that time. So any reserve the film has has a purpose and a reason for it because anything else would be out of place and be false. Yep. But the actual depth of the emotion is extremely profound. Totally. Really beautiful. I mean, that seems like a really...
0: Sumptuous.
1: Yeah, it seems like a sort of, I don't know, not the best word to describe it but it's it's it is profound and it's i agree with what nathan said which is that it is a gay love story that certainly is reflective of its time period and Mm -hmm. the challenges that would have come with that but it's it is not tragic i think the ending is spectacular Mm -hmm. that would definitely be if we were competing for best endings of the year that would definitely be there there were a lot of of great great endings phoenix um uh you know there there are so many right there's so many great components and the other thing is that it's a really lovely journey for both of them for both carol and therese who are at different points in their life trying to move towards self-actualization mm-hmm. and the the scary thing about that mm-hmm. um For Carol, it's that she's been living a very well-constructed, comfortable lie for many, many years. And she's finally breaking that barrier down. And what does that mean for her as far as her social standing, as far as her role as a mother, which is something she takes a lot of enjoyment and pride out of? And then for, you know, Therese and a very, like, a young woman coming into her own self-discovery, being honest with yourself... So it's just it's just this like great both women have such wonderful arcs. Um,
0: I believe you mean Therese. Therese, Bellevue. yes not Therese. Therese. <laughs> oh, I just want Kate Blanchett to say that over and over again. I also, for the
1: record, I love Kate Blanchett. I have since I saw Elizabeth in nineteen ninety eight, so I have been a big fan of hers for many, many years. And while I think she's a very beautiful woman, And a terrific actress. I have never seen her as sexy as she is in this movie. Sexy
0: as fuck. I believe my exact
1: words after the beginning scene where they meet each other over a counter and the scene ends, I believe I turned to you Matt, and said, I'm a lesbian now.
0: Yep. (laughs) Legit. As am I. (laughs) I
1: mean, just... Merry Christmas. It's <laughs> terrific. Um, and it also again like cinematography, costuming, the Carter Burwell score is lovely and haunting. And yep. T to B well done. Mm. And that is my number 5 and it was tricky. I will say that my 1 through 5 have been has been set for a while and has been constantly moving around because Yeah, mine too. My top 5 movies are all terrific.
0: Mm.
2: Hmm. My turn to start again with number four. Mm-hmm. My number four is one we've talked about. It's Sicario. Ooh. Directed by <laughs> Denis Villeneuve. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> um, we're
1: getting farther from it. Yeah.
2: Who also, he directed Prisoners, correct? Yes. Yep. From a couple of years ago. An Enemy. An Enemy from last yeah. year. Um, all of which I've really enjoyed. Um. Cool. And this one, to me, I mean, we talked about what it's about already, um, but to me, this was just a vice grip, yeah. of yeah. a movie. Yeah. It was like being in a pressure cooker, having a vice on either side of your head, <laughs> slowly turning <laughs> Go around tighter. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs>
1: um,
2: that's what I meant. <laughs> um, it's relentless. And I think similar to Spotlight, actually, I think it, it deals with themes of heroism, but mm-hmm. much different. Um, sort of what is a hero, who is a hero is much murkier. Yeah. What is right? What is wrong? What is worth it? What is not in these, in this fight, you know, this drug war? Um,
0: what is the best route to a solution? What is, is there a solution?
2: Yeah. What is a solution? Like, what does a solution look like? Yeah. Um, and I appreciated that. I appreciated the gray area. Like, whether or not Trump supporters, I mean, they're dumb enough they're gonna take it how they take it right which i i I understand the fear of that um but to me it was sufficiently gray right i think and i really liked that about it
1: yeah i think while still being vague (laughs) as much as i can um our friend nora her situation seeing this film at the theater she saw in la was that in the sort of uh outcome of Benicio Del Toro's storyline, before he comes back and has his his moment with Emily Blunt, um, the people in her theater cheered. And I think that's why she had a really negative response to it. Whereas I think... Yeah. So I actually think it's interesting because the film sort of puts the onus on the audience to be yeah. willing to live in those gray areas and be a little bit more critical of what we're seeing. Because it is sort of a stand-up of, like, classic hero storytelling. I see what you mean about, like, the, the its take on heroism. Mm-hmm. It's a classic send-up of it, but I think as an audience we're supposed to see that, like, uh, this is maybe not the moment that in a, like, clear and present danger we would be like, huzzah, Harrison right. Ford won. Right, right. You know what I mean? Which I think does make it really morally and interestingly mm-hmm. complex. But I can see how you're viewing experience of that could affect your outcome and takeaway from what totally, the movie is trying to
2: totally totally and but but in terms of how like intelligent people watch it <laughs> no i agree i um, agree i think I th- that, you know. I think that the relentlessness goes on beyond the theater um yeah. because mm-hmm. of that because it's of the gray uh, totally areas and uh, it's just so deeply disturbing and unsettling um, the other thing I would say is just that Emily Blunt is one of my favorite actors working today. She's so watchable. And watchable. is fierce. Yeah. Um, F. Yep. And I love her.
1: Agreed. Word. The end. And there's also, not to keep tagging onto yours, because I already talked about Sicario. You just did it better than I did. <laughs> um, there's also like something to be said for a filmmaker bold enough to trust that the film will resonate with audiences who can go beyond you know what i mean to not yep. make it
2: not cater to the lowest common denominator correct yeah mm-hmm. to make
1: yeah. his film and require some critical thinking on the part of the audience and not dumb it down or make his message like super explicit or super clear and to to leave that ambiguity in there i think is
0: <laughs> bridge of spies <clears throat>
1: correct you no know, to i mean you know you know how i feel about the ending of that movie
0: um, and we've touched on the score, but the cinematography awesome. of Roger oh, Deakins yes, is otherworldly. The I love editing you. is great, the sound is great. Yeah.
1: I love you, Chivo, but like, come on, give Roger Deacons some love.
0: For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. Number four. Right. Elizabeth, what you got?
1: My number four has also already been mentioned. This is probably the territory we're getting into now. Yeah. Um, my number four is Brooklyn.
0: Mm,
2: and
1: lovely. it is lovely. It is. <laughs> What
2: oh, a lovely choice.
1: Uh, no, I mean, it is it is classic filmmaking. This is another one that, like, when I I just want something that makes me feel <laughs> mm-hmm. to watch, I'm going to watch this movie. And Saoirse has a surprisingly hard job as Eilish. Like, her character takes a really, actually, huge emotional journey but it has to be done in subtle ways
0: and be honest and,
1: and be yeah. honest like it's not like a big like inciting incident how does she cope like it's all very i mean in its own stylized 1950s type of way like you were talking about with the german short film that i've already forgotten the title of and i should remember everything will be okay, everything honest will be okay. <laughs> <laughs> i'm like terrified by that um, <laughs> You know, it it sort of celebrates the mundaneness of life and the challenges as a young woman creating your own identity and figuring out what you want for your own life after you've left your family. And as someone who moved to New York City when I was 23, like, I can relate to a lot of that. And, And it's just, I mean, I found myself, I remember the day we saw it, I was in a horrible mood. I just, it was like... And then we saw it on a Sunday night at the (laughs) Union Square Theater Mm -hmm. that was (laughs) inexplicably packed. Packed. And as someone who does have social anxiety, going back to Amy, I was just like really overwhelmed by the sheer number of people. I was like not in a place. And we were about 40 minutes into the movie and I realized my face was sore because I was just grinning. Yep. I was just grinning in my seat, and at the same time, the movie made me cry, and it made me. It's. It was just such a universal story. Um, I love all of the women in it. I mean, it's very clearly like a woman's picture about a woman's journey. But you know, despite the two males being a critical part of her life and development, especially you know Emory Cohen, all of the scenes with the different women in the boarding house are so lovely and you see how each of them impact or the woman she meets on the boat on the way over like they impact her they empower her they challenge her even the women in the boarding house who at first seem sort of like silly and superficial but they help her and they have a bond and she has that one scene in the bathroom yeah with the woman who's been divorced and that one scene is just like such a gut punch of like honest truth about life and about marriage and the way it affects alish's understanding of the world like it's it's again going back to spy like it's so nice to see a movie where women and their interactions and their stories and how they intersect are important and form who we are as people shout out
0: to nick hornby who adapted the screenplay Uh, and did the screenplay last year for wild which was collectively between the three of us wasn't any of our specific number ones but collectively it was our number one yeah like
1: he writes women really, really well. Yeah, I mean, just
0: people. He writes people well. He writes he people write, well. He tells a good tale.
1: But he also, again, like Adapts coming, well. coming like the same thing with Star Wars, like.
2: He knows women are people. He knows women are people, <laughs> but he also
1: understands that, like, that doesn't just mean writing women the same way you write men. Which right. I think That's it's, true. It's always like this tricky line, which is how oh. do you not reduce women to stereotypes about femininity or their place in the world, while also respecting that, like. Women's life experiences are different, <laughs> and yep. he does he balances that really well. That their voices always seem super honest, so yeah. Nick Hornby, you can come to a Drunk anytime and
0: amen. Join I us for got a, a drink. seat at our bar stool. <laughs> <laughs> Which, just to update, these celery martinis are Delish. delicious. We are on round two. FYI, my number four is 45 years. Uh, directed by Andrew Hay um, Mm -hmm. based on a short story he previously did Weekend which was I never two or three of 2011 a great, great film he did Looking, the series for HBO he sort of cultivated this market of just intimate, realistic natural character dramas this is about um, Charlotte Rampling and Tom Courtenay play a British couple have been together for 45 years they're about they're on the eve of celebrating their 45th wedding anniversary um they weren't able to celebrate the 40th because he had some health issues um so they're doing a big you know party with friends and family for their 45th and uh on a few days before this he gets a letter that informs him that the body of his ex girlfriend who he was with before he ever met the Charlotte Rampling character has been found they were you know hiking in somewhere in the frozen tundra or mountains of somewhere and they find it and sort of brings up stirs up all these repressed memories and emotions and just all this stuff and it's mesmerizing it's richly detailed it's all about subtext and it's subtle it really lives or dies based on the direction and the performances which Charlotte Rampling, I think, gives the performance of the year. Lead, supporting, male, female. She's unbelievable. It's all internal and expressing that, and it's gripping. For being just a, you know, again, I already mentioned that. I feel like things adapted from short stories or articles are can be the best movies because it's just fleshing out a simple or smaller story rather than you know trying to cram in so much to a biopic or something that's based on a, a full novel. It speaks volumes beyond that simple premise, just about relationships and marriage and life choices. And I I even missed just... I was really tired when we, when Nathan and I went to this movie. I Don't give a, it away. I'm not going <laughs> to give anything away, but I missed something very key to the narrative. Yes, very key. And I still legit loved it. And then afterwards, learning about this thing that is visually kind of obvious at some point. I was like, oh... F, I loved it even more and it's really stuck with me it says God so much and it's another pitch perfect ending yeah, yeah that's a great ending Ah, yeah. God it's so good it's so good
1: it's another one sort of like Carol in that or a number of things that I think resonated with all of us this year that is about like who we construct for ourselves who we think we are versus mm. what we who we actually are mm-hmm. and particularly we all have the tendency to do that in relationships and I think usually the stories that get put to film are about the earlier stages of relationships, those like false constructions that we've tried to convince the other person is who we are. Mm-hmm. So it was really great to see a story that is about after those constructions sort of become second nature and almost true because you've lived in it for yeah. 45 and years. The monotony
0: of, of living with someone <laughs> for, day after yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. Everything about, I mean, yeah the art direction just like how the set decoration yeah. really conveys this life and also the, like
1: cap uh, off to tom courtney though because her performance in the story really revolves around sort of her emotional outcome right because she's it.
0: like learning new information correct that it's sort of is revolving around her
1: correct and i think that the male character could have easily been swallowed whole but he really creates oh my god i mean it's, i mean it's, it's, a, a, it's, it's a, a, a duet great, it's a great two-hander yep
0: it yeah. is wonderful, and you should check it out. Agreed. If you haven't. That is my number four.
1: I start with number you three. You start with number three.
0: No. Your bronze medal.
1: My bronze medalist is, Ooh. drum roll please, Spotlight. Woo! I like mm. to shine the spotlight on Spotlight. Uh, again, my top five were so close, and honestly, like, now, I'll go ahead and reveal it because there are so few left. 45 Years didn't make my top ten, and it was gutting because... It's also, so, my, like, my whole top 20. Yeah. Just all great things. I think part of the thing was 45 years I saw so late, because mm-hmm. I saw it pretty recently, like, a few weeks ago. And I think at that point, my brain was just so saturated.
0: Yeah, movied out.
1: Yeah, yeah, a little bit, that I, could, I couldn't make space in for it. But, um, yeah, Spotlight, a lot of things that Nathan already touched on. I also appreciate the integrity, the integrity of the film, and the filmmaking matches the integrity of the characters in the story.
0: One hundred percent.
1: I was particularly impressed at the end, and I don't think that this isn't really giving anything away, but you know, usually it's based—it's a movie based on real people. They worked very closely with the real journalists, mm-hmm. um, and usually at the end of that type of movie, they would have like a side-by-side picture of like the real person that the actor w- was playing. They don't have that. They don't mention. They don't even have
0: like this is what happened, or the the journalists won a pulitzer.
1: Right, they don't yeah. mention that the journalists won a pulitzer. All of their there are, you know, the Chiron's afterwards about what sort of the outcome or the impact of this story was, but it's all about the victims and yeah. yeah. which is just this like really in a in a place that films often are tempted to go to the like let's glorify, you know what I mean? Like yeah, even the film scene even or... the film is hesitant to ever really glorify the journalists they're usually just shown as people doing their work Mm
0: -hmm. and they
1: even point out that like even they are infallible in the places in which they have dropped the ball or the places in which they let their own emotional attachment to the story compromise what they need to do for the greatest impact like it's it's such a delicate balance everyone another again this year for ensembles Oh, my God. The ensemble between, like, the people who are in one scene as a victim giving their interview or, like, the priest when Rachel McAdams goes and sees Uh, that. I mean, he has maybe five lines in that scene, and it's just the impact of it is...
0: It's real. Tremendous and
1: real. I mean, I feel like when we talk about um, performances in our our follow-up podcast, our Cinemunchies, we'll talk more about Leah Schreiber, but... Liam Schreiber does so little, but makes such an impact. Like really just everyone in the cast is so spectacular. And, and I, I, again, it's just the integrity of the filmmaking. It's also timeless. You could yep. tell me that this movie was actually made in 2004 and I would believe you. I think 1990. you can. 1990. I mean, I think that you. 2020. People will be able to go back and watch this movie and it will feel at the same time timeless and classic, which is a really challenging thing to do. Mm-hmm. And just from, on like a personal note, then, you know, I grew up Catholic, very Catholic. My family is very, like, Irish Catholic. Um, and I went to a Jesuit university where I had some of the best educators, some of the most liberal, most open-minded educators I had were Jesuits priests, which is a very different sect from the people who are, were mostly involved in this scandal. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I, ha- I have a lot of personal Connection. Connection and also conflict about this whole thing. Like, it's very depressing to me, but at the same time, I was never like moved to tears, even with the um, the scenes where they're interviewing the victims. Like, I, I felt like I had kept in some way an emotional remove through the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, when the Chirons came, I just started sobbing.
0: It's a release.
1: And it's the only movie this year that I was like, I'm not ready for the lights to come up. I'm not ready for the two of you to turn to me and be like, have a conversation about this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not ready to leave. Even right now, as I'm talking about it, I'm like tearing up. Like it, it ended up being a, the most personal experience I've had in a movie theater, which I wasn't expecting, but that was the yeah. power of the overarching. It wasn't one scene where it's like fireworks that it makes me cry. It was the overarching impact of the film, which is a really hard thing to build that yep. arc. So that at the very end, I can have a personal
0: response I have to it. no attachment to Catholicism or really religion at all. Yeah. And I have the same experience. I mean, I, talking
1: about this right now, I, like, want to change my order of it and put it even <laughs> higher than number three. Yeah. I won't, but if I had seen it also, if I had been able to see this movie more than once, I might yeah, have seen it. I went to it, it
0: again but... last week or two weeks ago, and <clears throat> I, especially the second time, like, knowing just the story. Right. And how it's been structured for film, I basically cried through the whole thing and seeing it on my own was it it allowed me to just dig into it and it's not just you know that it's a powerful story it's really great filmmaking
1: right I also feel like you know I knew I knew about it when the story came out and everything but I think that there was a part of me even by the time the story broke I was in college I was definitely like questioning Catholicism and my own relationship to just religion in general Mm -hmm. so I was already like moving towards at least agnostic you know yeah But at the same time, it's like one of those things where if someone's like speaking bad about something you love, you sort of are like, no, 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 like fingers in the ears. And I I honestly, until this film, even though I knew about it, didn't really fully grasp the scope of it until this film, which is a really... But it, again, is never preachy. It's never emotionally manipulative. Like... Telling it from a journalistic standpoint is like a really effective way to that do journalistic it. Journalistic yeah.
0: integrity. Integrity is the right. Yeah. I'm glad you used that word. Yeah. Totally. Phenomenal choice. Uh, my bronze medal, and I'm so excited to get to this, and I'm surprised it hasn't come up, but I'm guessing it's going to come up. Some more is Mad Max Fury Road, as directed by George Miller. And I don't think any of the three of us have even seen Mad Max one, two, or three, but it nope. does not fucking matter. This movie is. High octane, balls to the wall, pedal to the metal, just relentlessly exhilarating. It is fantastic. I mean, I, in my notes here that I'm going off of, I basically just wrote "whoa." Like <laughs> it is practical magic. Like the effects in this film and the that's
1: actually my number one practical magic from is, from '98. Yes, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's it's an experience it's like drugs that we haven't experienced but can imagine that this is what it is like it is and then it, it resonates with these unexpected themes of, mm-hmm. and it oh, just the the world building is unbelievable yeah. Un, unreal it's i i'm yeah it's on my all favorite. levels it is ridiculously awesome it's of- awesome awe-inspiring
1: Speaking of people who are invited to sit in a drunk at any time, my new favorite power couple is Margaret Sixel and George. George Miller, Miller
0: yeah. Margaret mm. being his wife, who edited did the the editing. shit out Whoa. of that movie,
1: having prior experience mostly Amazing editing documentaries. Editing.
0: Yeah, look. I mean, it's hard to even describe the plot if you haven't seen it. It's basically just a big long car chase. Yeah. In this post-apocalyptic world Which where oil and awful. awful. Oh, it does. It is not our genre. It is not something that any of the three of us would gravitate to. But it's also something that, because I just rewatched it. It's on HBO Go at the moment. It, it benefits from seeing it in theaters because it's yes. such an immersive experience yes. in literally every aspect of filmmaking. This is what film people make films for yeah. is to this grand scale this is of, what the
1: theater exists yeah for. visual effects and yeah.
0: sound my god the sound the costumes the production design that score and then when you get
1: bad
0: oh badass yes. but then you still get to the intimate stuff of the the performances and what the film is actually saying and yeah it's it's shocking it 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 was such a surprise so all yeah. of us, we saw it. It yeah. came out the same weekend as Pitch Perfect too, which I think we we saw first. Prioritized, <laughs> yeah. but then we're like, oh no, we have to see this too, and it was getting good reviews, and then we're just kind of truly blown away, <laughs> like legit yeah. blown back. Again, error. I wanted to
1: run um, home. I was just so weak.
2: yeah. Which, if I remember right, the dissolve, which was rest in peace, oh. was my oh, favorite movie blog. Or one of at least
1: seek out the Uh, retired podcast of this dissolve. Yeah, Yeah, good
2: good stuff. But they gave Mad Max five stars, which they never did. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think one other film they did, Um, a
0: few others. But yeah,
2: so I knew, I knew something was going to go down or something.
0: (laughs) But wow! And it's also like. We have a friend from college who recently saw this. Clearly not in theaters, but who posted on my Facebook wall I was like, well, "Wait, why is this different than like Three Hundred or Troy or something like that?" <laughs> <laughs> Which, yes, yes, boo to those movies. But it's so—it's uh, because it's of hard the to...
1: political subtext for one thing. For also, one thing, yeah, and the, the world building, substance. something that's entirely fictional it has substance. Well, yeah, we could go on and on.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's the something, cast but it's, actually but it's also, talented yeah. actors. Well yes, that that <laughs> helps too.
2: It's just it's like electroshock therapy in the best way. Yeah. Totes.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's what I imagine. It's exhilarating It's yeah. it's a true experience. Yeah. It wow. is. Yeah. I am over Cheers the to that this that. movie exists.
2: Well I think we might be talking about it a little bit more. Hmm. Um but I'm on number three, correct? Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. Bronze. Yeah. yeah. So My Bronze is one we also have talked about 45 years, directed by Andrew Hay. Um, It's, you know, it's this small film that's, again, character-driven, relationship-driven, brilliant performances. I like this even more than Weekend, and I loved Weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, You know I have a soft spot for middle-aged to elderly (laughs) British British relationship well couples but relationship dramas (laughs) Um, and and this worked on all levels Um, and I think what it really got down to for me was the idea the truth that you can't have pleasure without pain Hmm. you can't have love Without loss, you—the more deeply Dichotomy. you, f- the more deeply you feel love, the more deeply you feel pain. That was something I wasn't prepared for in my life. <laughs> um, but I think, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think it's no, I think a truth that is like the price we pay for being human, emotional creatures, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so.
0: It's such a human movie mm-hmm. yeah, um, our experience on or our brief time on earth, all
2: that's wrapped up in it, all that is all that comes from being self- aware creatures yeah. mm-hmm. um anyway, I'm getting way too philosophical, but it, <laughs> well, that's what great movies do yeah it so cool, good, so, yeah. it's so good and the ending we already touched on but wow (laughs) yep this was a year of great endings but this might be number one for me in terms of endings i think so that's fair yeah yeah maybe number two only second to a movie that's coming up but yeah yeah Mm -hmm. wow go see it
1: by that i assume you mean goodnight mommy yes no <laughs> sorry I'd just gotten too actually, philosophical av- actually, and real so no. I needed to punctuate it with a the
2: Aven- one of the Avengers movies because that meant it was over and I could leave <laughs> hey you got to What's take the- a nice
1: nap in the middle of I that one
2: <laughs> black mass oh wait I didn't <laughs> last through that movie I left <laughs>
1: It's amazing. Uh, uh, am I on the Yes, because I started.
0: Silver, Silver medal runner <clears throat> up. My number two, again, a movie we've discussed, is Carol mm-hmm. by Todd Haynes. And I've already used the word sumptuous, but it is sumptuous as all fuck. And it's, he's
1: just talking about Kate Blanchett. It's like
0: a velvet robe. It is, it just is. enveloping you. It's eleganza to also, the we nth haven't degree. Even, we
1: haven't even talked about um, Abby. Sarah Paulson.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. I what?
1: just forgot
2: her name. That's why. I, I know
1: what a fucking genius actress. I mean, she creates a whole world within herself as Abby, a whole character that I feel like I know and have watched her story. Totally. In just a few scenes. Kyle Chandler is spectacular as Hard. It's perfect
0: supporting work. It really That's what is. you do, it and you want to know more about those characters, which which helps is why Rooney being campaigned
1: in in supporting and the Alicia Vikander such bullshit when there are, are actresses working like Sarah Paulson. Who right, that's be...
0: that's what supporting work is. It's like you want, you could, you imagine a whole life of these people yeah. based on their brief moments on screen. Yeah. But the film is just, oh God, it's perfect. Todd Haynes, who, and we did, Elizabeth and I had discussed this right after we saw Carol, you know, Far From Heaven, I think. Or no, he's done one movie in between. Yeah, uh, he he did, did the Mildred um, Pierce. I'm not there. Um, yeah um adaptation for hbo and then and i'm not there the bob dylan biopic and i've always been kind of appreciative but a little emotionally removed from his films but this it it connected and like you said when you were discussing it it was your number five or so four yeah Yeah, something like that (laughs) um it's only improved since i've seen it and it just it the way it It's all about interiority and just, you know, the looks between the two, between Rudy Maher and and Kate Blanchett, are, it just speaks so much.
1: Which are also so exciting. Which is the other thing. Electric. The other thing that I don't understand about the coldness, and maybe this is coming from, you might notice from my like Crimson Peak, and I just told them that I didn't have a book to read, so I'm rereading Persuasion Jane Austen. (laughs) But like, maybe it's my repressed Midwestern Catholic heart. But the things that always, like, were most exciting to me in movies are, like, like, I'm thinking about in the Joe Wright adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, which if you've listened to our past podcast, I fucking love that movie. Mm-hmm. But, like, the moment where he, like, helps her into the carriage and they touch hands. And then he's, like, does a little thing with his hand afterwards because it's so electric. Just that brief touch. Like, those are the things to me that are, like, ooh, my heart is Twitter painting. Like, Playhouse. keep your... Keep your sex scenes. Keep your makeouts. Like keep for your me, for me, like... it's when two people—in this case, it's two women—make eye contact across a crowded store, and you can feel you the feel electricity. It. It's so exciting! Yeah, it's so it. romantic.
2: Although yeah, the sex sexy. scene was also great.
0: Oh, the sex scene was gorgeous. Scene. Of course, gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. It's just all about that interiority of yeah. lust and falling yeah. in love and queerness and femininity, yes. which Todd Haynes always has that yeah. sort of queer bent. But, uh, I mean, it's impeccable. Every Everything about the film is like, you know, it wasn't easy to make or it yeah. took them a long time to get the funding and whatnot. And yeah. just, if you want that score, you get Carter Burwell. And he Ugh. fucking delivers. If you want those costumes, which are... Perfect. You get Sandy Powell.
1: When I change out of my crimson, peak, crimson outfit, peak outfit, it, it will changing be changing into the plaid pajamas that <laughs> yes. Kate Blanchett
0: wears with that like light fur. But, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it is. It's practically perfect. It reminds me a lot of yeah. Casablanca for some reason, in that like economy of yeah. storytelling and visual storytelling. Yeah. It's uh, uh swoon. Swoon. Hashtag swoon. swoon. Hashtag swoon. Hashtag Carol.
1: Again, speaking of <laughs> Carol, just as when I just talked about Spotlight, this is what I mean about my top five being so close. Because now talking about Carol, I'm like, no, this right. no, is no. That's mine. my one. No, that's so my number one. I mean, one. really, yeah. my top five are like, which is funny because we earlier at the beginning of the podcast talked about how none of them inspired passion. But actually, now, now that, that, that we're, I'm we're thinking about drunk
0: it, and talking about them, no, I'm passionate about all my, these movies. My top five yeah.
1: movies are like, oh, just yeah,
0: shivers, ecstatic, visceral. Speaking of yeah. which,
1: it's my turn, right? Because Hubby will finish us off with the first yes, one. Yes,
0: so number two.
2: No, it's my turn.
1: No, because you started with number ten, which means you get three times to go first. Right?
0: Wait, what are you on?
1: I'm on number two.
0: I haven't yeah. done my and number then, two. Oh, no, it's oh, you. so it's you. Yeah. 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 Just kidding. <laughs> oh, celery martini. Uh, <laughs> okay. They're delicious. Okay, you're, I started of with number so you're around. Right. Right. Well, that All was right. entertaining for everyone. Okay. Um, <laughs>
2: my silver medal goes to Mad Max Fury Road, yes. directed by George Miller. Yes. Um Jorge. Jorge. Jorge.
0: Mela Villeneuve. Herd, <laughs> Harge. 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 Harge Miller. Harge Miller. <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: this one was a big one for me. It is the big D. Uh, the, I mean, I hate the term fever dream because I think it's used, overused. But if anything's a fever dream, it's the world of Mad Max. It
1: was last year's
2: first snow season, so. though. Yeah, and uh, it's just this. Like Matt was touching on, this is why movies exist. Mm-hmm. This is why movies are vital. This mm-hmm. is the possibility of. This life. is the what movies can do, and if movies can do this, the world has to be okay
0: yeah Mm -hmm. like it's it's a serious
2: i mean it almost makes me emotional how important that is like the these images can penetrate your soul so deeply Mm -hmm. um i love how there's like these clear throwbacks to the Buster Keaton movies of yore, um, in the so that not only is it this like action-packed sci-fi extravaganza, but it's also paying homage to the silent films, mm-hmm. classic silent films. Um, I was watching like the movie The General, where Buster Keaton yes. is on a. I, I wasn't watching the actual movie, but I was watching a clip. He's on the train, and if you watch it next to the some of the chase sequences in Mad Max, I mean, it's it's.
0: It's like the yeah. history of film has been like leading you up to something like this. Like yeah, the,
2: it was conscious. I have to believe, even if it wasn't. Wow. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I'm just speechless. Like,
1: (laughs) that that is the power of this film is that we're not able to ourselves Yeah, like,
2: (laughs) I mean, the last thing I would say, which I've said before, is that it's like an exorcism. I felt exercised (laughs) um, coming out of this. And I think the only movies that I really can think of recently that did this were Beasts of the Southern Wild, Gravity, Mm. um, it's like a cathartic experience
0: cathartic
2: and revelatory <laughs> real spiritual yeah. yeah i mean that's the power and this movie has the power and the power of mad max compels silver medal. i mean
0: nancy kerrigan won the silver medal so <laughs> you know that's a big deal i rest my case <laughs> Excellent. So, what's your Nancy Kerrigan?
1: My... Well, <laughs> I don't want to even call this Nancy Kerrigan. It feels like an insult. Why Although, I do kind of have that voice right Nancy- now. Oh, why? Nancy's Why? Cool. I have that voice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Poor> <laughs> Nancy. Where have we gone? I don't
1: know. These celery martinis are delish. Um, my number two is Ex Machina. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, first off, I will preface this, that this movie had the benefit of, I have watched it now three times. And...
0: Only gets better,
1: and it only gets better, and I only get more out of it. I find new layers and new complexities to the film each and every time, which speaks to the level that just the writing. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, Alex Garland's direction is fantastic, and the fact that this is his first time directing is frankly astonishing, yeah. um, especially on a fairly limited budget when most of the budget went to seamless. Uh, CGI that I frankly forget. Yeah, I mean every technical aspect. The score yeah. is terrific. Love it. Like I kind of want to download the score and just listen to it on my commutes. Oh, I
0: will. I will choreograph to that. If sure, you should, uh, as you should, yeah.
1: as you should. Um, and you know, so like every element of it is is perfectly intact. But I think it starts with the script, and it starts with his image as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And the performances are all really terrific. Uh, Donald Gleeson has a surprisingly difficult part, which is they that he... They all do, really. They all do. He has to be audience... Pro- I, f- I think that his feels the most simple mm-hmm. because he has to be audience proxy, but he also has to be smart enough that we believe he would be picked for this task, mm-hmm. smart enough that we believe he would figure things out. But still naive enough that we think he would fall for certain things. Like, you know what I mean? He has like yep. a really tricky, really he has the most human requirements in Almost some way. So does she. Her performance is extraordinary. From I know that sounds extraordinary, is like over. <laughs> you just chuckled and I really I'm that's... chuckling
2: because of the drink, not because okay. of what you said.
1: Okay. <laughs> We all are kind of sufficiently drunk. Also it's at a this hashtag Bunzo. over. However, time. they will they they can confirm that I've been talking nonstop about this movie, so this isn't just the celery martini talking. That's true. Yep. Um. Yeah, she's required to do so much, um, and both in the line delivery and the text. But then also the physicalization, like casting someone like Alicia Vikander, who was a dancer in her previous life, yep. is so helpful because it's all subtle. It's not like robot. Ro- you know what I mean? Yep. It's not like Anthony Daniels C-3PO. Like <laughs> It has to be in very like subtle ways that you're like, oh, she's not quite human. Um, it has a very under-the-skin type moment at the end where she's constructing the rest of her flesh mm-hmm. and looking at the full... Which, again, I have a problem sometimes with... Female nudity in movies because it's often used just yeah exploitive as a way to titillate as a way to just be a prop
2: for the male gaze
1: for the male gaze and all of the nudity and there's quite a bit of female and it's only female nudity in this movie unfortunately Oscar Isaac only is rocking the deep V in his in his uh, in his scene his dance scene Um, his character's (laughs) name is Nathan by the way yes Nathan yes Um, (laughs) but but the female nudity in in this film is all really crucial and the film has a lot to say about a lot of things which could be too much but it's not and this is why i think it just only deepens on each each viewing because the first time you could watch it you could watch it simply as like a thesis on how we relate to artificial intelligence and where we're going with that mm-hmm. how we create how we react to sort of the god creator myth mm-hmm. and then there's a very strong statement about how men view women as objects and for I'm me sure. this and is the thing that
0: created her and, yeah.
1: specifically and there's a whole thing about how women how men value women and their presence in their lives and their value and it's really strong and it runs throughout and I really picked up and not even until really the third time I watched it that there's a really big, Message about the way not only women view women and their bodies and them as property, but also different races of women.
0: Mm. So
1: the first woman who he tests out on another person besides himself happens to be a white woman. Who's very like in a Hollywood Western way, conventionally attractive, slender, everything like this. Um, Whereas we see Kamiko or not Kamiko. Yeah, Kamiko. Kamiko. That's her name. No, it's not Kamiko. It's um Kyoto. Kyoto. Kyoto, yeah. Kyoto, who is the other female? She's not the treasure hunter. No, no. Yeah. Sorry, she not Kamiko. That's <laughs> sorry. It's <laughs> blending, together. but Kyoto, who is the Asian mm-hmm. uh, AI who he has working as his housemaid, and how particularly Western men tend to view Asian women as submissive, as silent, as sexual objects which is very much how Nathan views her and I think the film very pointedly chosen to make that character Asian like I don't think that's a coincidence mm-hmm. and then even in the when um, I was talking about this with Nathan the other day the real Nathan not Oscar Isaac's character
2: oh.
1: that when you when Oscar or when uh, when Donald Gleason watches the tape of all of his past past AI attempts, mm-hmm. Um, At one point, you see his AI attempt, and it's a black woman's body, and she has no head, Hmm. which seems very pointed that the black woman's body is not even granted a face because of the way that Western culture has sort of monopolized black women's bodies, and black women's bodies have really been, especially going back to, like, the days of slavery. You know what I mean? Like, there's so much... You can just keep digging of, like, the subtext of the way, particularly again, the film treats uh, women. There's
0: been a lot of films last year that are very simple. Yeah. But the way you can, like, just keep pulling stuff out of it is...
1: Yeah, and it's really... Rich. It's really significant. It's and then you and I watched uh, Straight Outta Compton mm-hmm. the other day. And there's a scene where it's, like, an important conversation. And the character who plays um, Dr. Dre has a black woman in a bikini sitting on his lap and in every shot her head is cut out of frame. Mm. So like films are still, films by black filmmakers are still doing this where it's a black woman's body is what is important. Her sexual presence is what's important but her face is cut out of the frame and it just really struck me because of what I took from, she has no voice, she has no presence. It's literally just, what can I get out of this body that's here? And Which is so, a lot
0: about the film, too, about body and that we're talking so much about this, but it's actually a robot.
1: A robot, right. Which is
0: also like, it, does it have consciousness? The whole, like, Turing test yeah. of it all. It's it's really thematically rich.
1: It's you know? I, Again, like, I could keep, and I'm sure I'm going to watch it again and I'll find something else. Like, this, it, it just... Each time moved me in a more profound way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the three performances are fantastic. I mean, I've already spoken about to Donald Grease and Alicia Vikander but Oscar Isaac. Amazing. And also, a character that could have easily have we have seen a million times before, right? The mad scientist. The, like, wild creator. And his take on it as this, like, casual bro, first off, seems... like,
0: working out and drinking. Yeah,
1: first off, seems very of the now, which is, like, this is the new almost alpha male. Is this, like, tech bro, whatever. But it's, like, a totally new creation that is... Instantly watchable.
0: Credit to him. Complex.
1: You never really know what he's up to. I mean, just a three person chamber piece, four person really, because I also think the woman who plays Kyoto as a lot. She's right. And there. there's even that if you want to talk about Bechtel Test, that really wonderful moment where the two robots communicate only through touch.
0: So unsettling. And it's so unsettling. So unsettling
1: it's it's and significant and it just
0: And the fact that it's two women, yeah, it's
1: See, you now, once again, talking about my number two, I'm like, this should be number one.
0: <laughs> exactly. Amazed. <laughs> yeah.
1: love this movie. Ex Machina. Silver medal. It is time to go to Nathan. What is your
0: gold? What's your gold? What's ah, your Aksana <laughs>
1: Again, which seems like an
0: insult. My greasy you know. goals. She never wanna <laughs> Okay. <laughs> my Sarah Hughes. Your Christy Yamaguchi. My Christy Yamaguchi.
2: Um... I'm so excited about this. Carrie Strugg. my number one movie, Carrie Strug of the century. Um, no, my number one, my gold medal is *The Look of Silence*. Mm. Oh. Um, directed by Joshua Oppenheimer, a documentary. Um, it, it's, it's the second in a sort of two part series of documentaries in a way it's it it deals with the it's it's uh, takes place in Indonesia it deals with the purge of communists that took place in 1965 um, where I think the official estimates are about a million people were massacred Mm -hmm. um, because they were either communist or thought to be communist and many by regular civilians. citizens yeah. civilians, um, because the militia didn't want to do the dirty work is kind of kind of what part of the truth that comes out or it seems that way um, but I think so the other the act of killing is the first film in this duo yeah. that came out two years ago or something mm-hmm. um, and that one I really enjoyed, but uh, this Not as much as one can enjoy. Well, exactly. Right. Like, <laughs> um, but but this one I thought was far superior and far more moving. It follows a middle-aged man whose older brother was killed uh, before he was born. Well, before. Yep. Yeah. Um, and. He is an optometrist, so he goes around his community and um, gives eye exams, and many of the people who he's seeing uh, are members of the militia or civilian group who massacred uh, those people in the 60s, and are still in power, mm-hmm. and have still not faced any sort of reckoning any sort of even acknowledgement internationally Mm -hmm. except that for the most part it was like accepted i mean i think from what i know it was more just that it was invisible Mm -hmm. yeah um but communists were so hated in those days and still are it's such a dirty word that um it's not surprising that that It didn't get more attention than it did. Mm -hmm. But he... The documentary follows him confronting these people who, who... Some of whom... Directly killed his brother. And boast about it. And boast about it. And all of whom indirectly killed his brother. And... I mean... There's not much you can say without just watching it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, how powerful that is to see, um, to see uh, someone kind of chewing on this idea of like, how could this happen? And how am I still facing
0: these people? Yeah. Don't how don't is now her, is there how no resolution? There's like no that. resolution. There's no guilt or and reconciliation. Yeah. No yeah. Acknowledgement. Even. And at the
2: same time, it's like one of the most meditative films I've seen ever. It's fantastic.
0: Um, so it,
2: which I think is, perfection for this. Subject matter because there's just so much to ponder. What, how this happens in our world? Why, I mean, yes, the Holocaust happened. Everyone says, you know, never again, but it keeps happening again. It does, yeah. it's just, it's not like, well.
0: How is this part of the it's, human experience? Like,
1: it also speaks a lot to what Western culture, like, values,
2: <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: and chooses to report about, you know,
0: for sure.
2: And, like, who before I saw The Act of Killing, the first movie. Never.
1: Nope. I never. I didn't I even know that that existed. Ever
2: even remotely heard of anything like this in Indonesia? Yeah. No.
1: It's like what's happening right now with Boko Haram in, and exactly. in Africa. Exactly. Oh, yeah, horrendous. Like we talk about atrocities. ISIS, we talk about ISIS all the time, but that affects like U.S. Western in, interests. But
0: one of my favorite yeah. things is that the title—they're perfect. The act of killing and the look of silence. It's. It's really, really powerful.
2: And again, and when I said earlier that this, that there was one ending that might have, might actually be number one, it was this, this oh. ending. Oh. Um, and I won't say more than that, but don't because I the, haven't seen it. Yeah, yet. the end of it, Act of Killing is hard to top. That's <laughs> yeah. really, really good. It's just, again, I'll just say that it's meditative as a whole. I'm and excited
0: to watch it.
2: It's really. I think it's one of the richest, most human but inhuman movies that I've ever seen in my
0: life. But still very artful. It it really makes me appreciate the form of documentary. Technically and where perfect it is right as now. a documentary,
2: I think. As you know, in I'm terms not of first in hours documentary of documentary filmmaking, yeah. but I'm a huge lover of documentaries, and you are. This takes the cake of recent years. So Damn. that's my goal. That's my Oksana Bayul. Wow. <laughs> You're Carrie Strug. <laughs> I don't
1: Damn. really know if Carrie Strug is even that much better, but you know. Um, all right. Well, it's me. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately now the wind has really been taken out of my sails. I kept struggling putting this someplace other than number one, and it just felt dishonest. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> my number one is Mad Max Fury Road. Yep. Which... I mean, we've already both said a lot about this film and not a lot because words don't seem to be able to capture this film. But I will just say that I was not excited at all, at all about this movie coming out. I remember when the trailer came out, there was a lot of like internet excitement about it. And I was like, whatever. I have never seen a Mad Max movie. Mm-hmm. This type of movie is just not my jam. Then it got all these great reviews. So we were like, all right, we have to see it. We saw Pitch Perfect 2 first for my birthday. Of course. And then a few days later went and saw this. It is the most exhilarated I can remember in my adult life being in the movie theater. Like we speak a lot about, you know, especially when we do our brackets about movies that we were super excited about seeing in the theater when we were kids. And I don't feel like I've had that feeling in a long time until I saw this movie in the theater and I saw it two days later. With someone else because I just needed to go
0: had to see it, it again. I
1: had wow. to see it again. And honestly, if like prices in New York City weren't so high and my schedule didn't unfortunately have adult responsibilities, like <laughs> I probably would have seen it more yep. in the theater. And then I, of course, rewatched it as soon as it came to HBO Go. So I've seen it three times now. I, it's just something I don't even understand. I don't have the words
0: And I don't even want to. It's just, like, let it wash over you.
1: The economy of story, of world building, the fact that this might be the only action movie I've ever seen that has had had so many women speaking parts (laughs) that are prominent, that the most important relationships are the ones between women, Mm -hmm. um, and that the Tom Hardy character is in the best. And I think about this a lot, not to make this all like political or whatever. And I realize my past several things have been very feminist. So I'm (laughs) sorry if I've offended your delicate sensibilities. But, you know, I struggle a lot, like especially with like the Black Lives Matter and things like this, which is that I like to think I'm socially conscious. And I struggle with how is the best way to be an ally. Mm. Because of course it's a story that doesn't involve me. It's something right. that I, I, I will never experience. Like, I will never experience in my life what it means to be a minority in this country. So, like, how am I best an ally? And without making, like, a big deal of it, I think the Tom Hardy character is one of the best representations of an ally.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Ever.
1: In a totally f- fictionalized, post-apocalyptic elliptic world. <laughs> I can't... I mean, the celery martini.
0: Post-apocalyptic
1: apocalyptic
2: a papaloptic? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs>
1: you gave me this booze. Um, you know, but in this like totally fictionalized world, we set in the future in a totally world different than our own, without ever pointedly being like an ally, he's an ally just in that he sees what is right for him in the moment. Yep. And what is right for him in the moment is to help these women. Not because they're women, not because he's white knighting, not because, you know what I mean? Not Mm -hmm. for any of these things, just because it's like mutually beneficial and he sees their point. And it's like really (laughs) subversive. It is. To have in a mainstream action movie that in no way should be mainstream because it's bizarre. (laughs)
0: The villains are bizarre. The fact that it was made and got funded. The fact that it was
1: made, it tells so many things just by, I mean, that glorious shot when one of the best villains put on screen, who has very little dialogue, but you sense everything, who this man is, what he's done, when Morton Joe walks into the, um, when he realizes Furiosa has kidnapped his wives and Mm -hmm. he walks into their cell and you just see not even not even the forefront of the frame, just in the background of the shot, who killed the world, yeah, and you know what it is, and he does it, like George Miller does it with such economy and and subtlety, while also not being at all subtle with like. People swinging on poles and, like, Legit. spiky. Yeah. I, I mean, if you had told me, literally, if you had told me a year from now, if you had shown me the Mad Max trailer and had said, Elizabeth, this is going to be your number one film of the year for 2015, I would have said, you have lost your mind or I have hit my head and right. suffered massive, like, brain trauma. <laughs> I would not have believed you, but I I have not had the response to this film that I have since I was, like, 12 years old. Yeah. and. It speaks to everything that I'm both passionate about. And it's also just entertaining as fuck. Like, take away as, fuck. as t- take away all the political context. Take away all of that. Oh, sorry. I just hit you because <laughs> I'm so excited. Like, take away all of that. And it's just an entertaining, visceral thrill ride. I mean, talking about Sicario, like I said, when I came out of it, I was like, I'm ready to, like... I need to do something physical because my adrenaline is so pumped yep. up. The score... I I, I listen to it legit. I listen to it when I go running at the gym. Mm. Because the score, I'm like, yes! Yes, get me going. Like, everything about it is just spot on. I don't understand how a man in his 70s made this. Right. I don't understand how a woman who has never, never edited an action movie edited something this clear, I can follow the action, which is my number one complaint about action films these days, is that I'm like, I have no, when the action scenes kick in, my brain just goes to like some other place, because visually I can't follow what's happening, yeah. so I just check out. And it didn't, I mean, it reminds me actually of, of, of a movie that didn't make any of our top tens, um, which is Ryan Coogler who made Creed and um, Fruit Fall Station, who has worked with a female cine- cinematographer both times and has advocated for using women um, in key spots on his films because he just says they have a different point of view. Yep. And this, to me, is the best sense, which is that George Miller is like, all right, I have this. I need someone with a different point of view. And it speaks, again, in a larger context for the need for diversity in the industry in everything in the industry is that like there's this this you know habit of like bringing up you know we're in the midst of the oscar so white conversation and all this stuff and it's about the fact that people keep promoting people who they see in themselves and the people who have worked in the industry behind the scenes i'm not even talking about the acting or you know on-screen parts all the behind the scenes parts it's predominantly white men and so when they're promoting, they're promoting people that they see themselves in. So, like, Colin Trevorrow gets put in Jurassic World because Brad Bird and Steven Spielberg see themselves in this white guy. Which I get. Like, I get. Like, I, we're all drawn to that. But there's something to be said. Like, George Miller captures it, which is that he has this very specific perspective. He already wanted to make sure that he did right by it. He even talks about the whole reason Furiosa is a woman is because he thought to himself... Okay, well, I can't have a man stealing a bunch of women from another man, so I've yep. got to make it a woman. Like, it wasn't even coming from, like, I want to make a big feminine statement. It was just that he was aware enough of the world to be like, I can't have one man stealing a bunch of women from another man because that's fucked up. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it was just that, like, slight bit aware of awareness. And then this awareness of, like, all right, I'm coming from this world and coming from this action world. I can't have an action guy edit this movie because it's going to look like everything else. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go, in this case, it happened to be his wife. I'm going to go to my wife, who has only done like documentaries and nothing like this at all. And the outcome is something totally different. And I so this film, even just in its creation, speaks to what can happen when you diversify and allow for a bunch of different perspectives to come together. Yeah. And it creates this film that has connected with... All different sort of people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Including, thankfully,
0: Oscar voters.
1: Including Oscar voters, which who would have thought that this has, like... Would be
0: nominated for 10 Academy Awards. Like, this
1: legit, if we'd been still... I think if we'd still been in a year of only five Best Picture nominations, this would have made the top five. It might have, yeah. I really think it would have. Like, it's, it's significant, and I think that everything about it just speaks to what is the best of filmmaking 2015. Totes.
0: Briefly. Even though
1: it was filmed in like 2012 and took forever. Right, took forever. (laughs) But you know. Briefly I'll just
0: say I love that it takes a bold storyteller or filmmaker to put that Oscar Isaac dance scene in Ex Machina. (laughs) I love that like halfway through this film all of a sudden there's legitimately a a guitarist like on (laughs) a moving vehicle in this pursuit and this car chase. That's like, that's where some of the diegetic sound is coming from. There's like a, a wall of speakers and it is like a hard metal guitarist. Like it's, uh, and then like drummers on the back of it. It's so cool. He creates
1: a complete entire universe that you, I mean, even when Nathaniel from film experience did a special on the makeup for Mad Max and it showed the old woman who is in charge of the wives, like, Mm. She had all these, like, amazing things scrolled on her body, like, tattooed on her body that a makeup artist applied for the, like, three scenes she was in, like, full body makeup that had to do with, like, who killed the world, who da 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 it's nice. just all over her arms, and you don't even see it. As a film, goer you don't have the time to register or read or see close enough to what's on her body, but it's there.
0: Well, I think it's pretty clear that collectively that was our number one film of the year. It was my number three, Nathan's number two, and Elizabeth's number yeah. one. Uh, but my my Oksana Bible, my <laughs> gold medal. Uh, we've also all touched on is Spotlight. I didn't even want this to be number one, but it just I couldn't put it out of my mind. I feel yeah. like this not only was the best made film of the year, it was my favorite film of the year. It's so intelligent. It's just perfect. The ensemble, which we've touched on, I can't. It's difficult to even rank wh- who's even best. Stanley of this. Tucci. And Lev Schreiber and Mark Ruffalo and Michael Keaton and John Slattery, Rachel McAdams, the whole, the whole thing. Even people that weren't even SAG nominated for it. It's it's just this blend of just total honest empathy for and integrity, like you had already mentioned, for the story that you're telling and how important it is. It's gripping as like a thriller also, and like Mm -hmm. there's this like race against the clock of like investigative journalism and how that can be you know Mark Ruffalo has to get this document which is going to be released at a specific time from the records and he wants to be the first to get it so that their paper can have it in their possession and it's they can tell the story right they can do it right. you know so not and someone doesn't botch this story and then it just gets like buried there's it's, it's about heroism as Nathan already mentioned and like the underdogs and for me, I think it resonated most with me because, well, it a lot of comparisons have been made with All the President's Men, which is also, you know, an investigative journalism film, and it's telling an important story, and the people that uncovered it, and the impact that had. But for me, it um, especially on second viewing, when I saw it a second time last week, it reminded me of two films that I really, really, really love. And one is Broadcast News, which is also sort of about journalists, <laughs> yeah. journalism, but it works so well for me as a character study and you can really tell just all the details that went into it because James L. Brooks who wrote and directed Broadcast News spent literally years just yeah. studying and learning about broadcast journalists and what they do what producers do what on-air journalists, journalists do and you can really tell that it, all of that really helped that film be as successful as it was and this is totally the same with Spotlight with which um Tom McCarthy, who directed it and also co-wrote it with Josh Singer, they investigated the shit out of this story in this film to the point where they uncovered the fact, which is a subplot in the film, that the Boston Globe had reported on twenty priests that had been convicted already or had you know settlements against them had reported on pedophilia, and they basically buried it in their metro section and this came up during their writing of the script and how detailed they were in telling the story correctly
1: which also speaks to the integrity of the people who they're telling the story about that when they told them hey we found this they were like put it in the movie
0: right i mean they they certainly had their their pause about it walter robbie robinson who's played by michael keaton in the film right. brilliantly was like well this doesn't make me look good but this is fact and this is part of the story. This is part of the narrative of what actually happened and to tell the story as well as they did. It was impactful. Um, And the other film it reminded me of that I love is Aaron Brockovich, which if you've listened to our 2000 podcast, it was my number two of that year. I think it's Flawless Filmmaking. It's a director, you know, telling the story of an underdog being a hero and, and speaking up for those who are oppressed or who have undergone, you know, trauma and, Fighting against big business or whoever, big church in this case, uh, to speak up for them and to to tell their truth and
1: and heroism that we can all strive for.
0: Right, it's like realistic heroism that is, is within all of our
1: ability to be. Right, yeah. it's
0: such an uplifting tale of like the best of humanity. But yeah, Spotlight ended up being my number one. We are, we have gone. super long on all of our If you're still listening God (laughs) bless you Which
1: again though I think actually speaks to what we considered at the beginning thinking was a Strong year for film, but no passion. I think that this, I think that actually being able to discuss with one another the films that we loved in our top 10 has actually made us all. I think I already feel like more passionate. Absolutely, about. so do I.
2: We've proved ourselves wrong. we proved ourselves we wrong. Our
1: initial thesis is wrong. I mean, again, I could make, I could argue myself. I won't because we've already taken up enough of your time, but I could legit argue myself into number one on any of my top five at this yep. point. So,
0: yeah. And that is our individual top 10 lists for 2015. Terrific a fantastic year, for year in film. Uh, we've got another couple podcasts coming your way. We'll touch on some honorable mentions and other films that we didn't get a chance to talk about as well as our second annual Cinema Munchies, Cine Munchies. Best of the year in various categories including the traditional acting awards. Stay tuned for those. Thanks so much for listening and we will talk to you next time.
2: Ta-ta! Bye-bye. Bye!